HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Thurman Maple Days. Celebrate flowing of sap in the Adirondacks, self-guiding to seven sites for talks, tours, tastes, and old-fashioned friendliness. For more information, visit ThurmanMapleDays.com. This is Chef Emily Peterson, host of Sharp and Hot. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit HeritageRadioNetwork.org for thousands more. I'm Harry Rosenblum from the Brooklyn Kitchen, a cooking store located at 100 Frost Street in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Join me every Wednesday as I talk with people about what they do and how it influences their personal food stories. This is a show about people, life, and food. You can find Feast Your Ears as well as lots of other great shows at heritageradionetwork.org and on iTunes. Follow me on Instagram, at thefoodballer. Today's episode 24 of Feast Your Ears, and I have in the studio with me today Kendra Dushak-McCarthy, who is a dancer and holistic health counselor. Kendra has spent years as a professional dancer and uh, does a lot of work as a health counselor, and we're going to talk today about those worlds and how they intersect. Thanks, Kendra, yeah. for joining Hi, me. Hi, Harry. So great to be here. So in the modern age, there's sort of a ubiquitous question when you meet somebody almost always very early in the conversation, people ask what, what you do. So in your case, um, what do you do? Well, um, usually I give them a list of things that I do because I don't have just one job. I'm a dancer. So, uh, that means it's a juggling act. My life, um, I dance in the evenings with uh, three different companies. And then during the day I do work as a health coach and, um, and whatever else, I've spent five years doing Wall Street work, um, had the bartending jobs, was a caterer for a while. Um, but yeah, now I'm focused on health coaching and dancing. Um, I dance with three different companies, uh, the Mosaic Dance Theater Company, uh, Check It Dance Company, which is a modern-based dance company, and then recently uh, dancing for Tina Kroll, which is an amazing choreographer in modern dance. Excellent. And yeah. uh so you end up doing a lot of performing in the evenings, I imagine? Yes, yeah. Um, and you're also a holistic health counselor. So what, is, mm -hmm. what does that mean? What um, a holistic health counselor, for me, um, is basically a health and lifestyle coach. I use integrative nutrition as a means to get clients to um, a healthier lifestyle, more energetic lifestyle, uh, helping them to balance work and self-care, um, 
and which I think is something that everybody needs today and a little support in doing that gets people to their goals. Sure. I, I think yeah. that, you know, we, we are in a, we're, we're constantly sort of barraged by the media and advertising and film and television with these ideals, right? right. Of, that you should eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner at certain times and that breakfast, lunch, and dinner should have certain components to right. them. And a lot of that is organized around potentially a life schedule that someone may not have. I mean, I think you're, mm -hmm. you're working at night, for instance, and dancing Absolutely. at night, which is incredibly physical and athletic, is very different than someone who takes the train to work and clocks in at nine and sits at a desk and clocks out for lunch Absolutely. and goes home at five. Yes. And, you know, it's a bit very different and your body needs different yeah. things. Right. And I think it changes, um, for me, it changes daily depending on what I'm doing that day, what my schedule is, because it never looks the same. Every day is different. Um, and one thing that I do with a lot of my clients is I express bio-individuality, which is this concept that what's right for me is not going to be right for you. Uh, if working out first in the morning before your breakfast works for you, then that's what, you know, I will help support. Um, I, that idea of eating a well-balanced um, three-course meals a day is a really nice concept, but it doesn't work in very busy lifestyles, which most of us New Yorkers have. Um, in the evening, sometimes I come home and after rehearsal, you know, I had a six hour rehearsal. I'm starving. <laughs> I'm right. going to eat sure. or else I'm going to wake up at 2 a.m. in the morning and I'm going to be famished. So, um, a lot of times it's a light dinner, like uh, some hummus and vegetables, uh, or I might graze a little bit throughout rehearsal. Um, but it's also very difficult in dance because you can't move with a lot of food in your stomach. So you have to plan yeah. to eat the heavier meal maybe two hours ahead. And then we get like a little break here and there and we'll snack or grab a granola bar or something like that, something light. Yeah, I think yeah. that there's a, there's a perception or a, a thought, you know, that certainly potentially comes to mind when people think of dancers, you know, that there's a, the idea of it being about the body and about, you know, related to modeling, things like that. But right. it really is way closer to athletics and being a it professional is. athlete in terms of the fact that you are using your body completely physically right. in the same way that a baseball player, basketball player, someone like that is. And, and I'm sure it's yeah. similar for them. I mean, I haven't, I have yet to, I'm hoping to have a, an interview with a professional athlete on the show yeah. about their relationship to food at some point. Right. But I have to imagine it's very similar. You know, you can't possibly run down the field if you just had a big meal. Exactly. You know, it's, it's kind of funny because I, my husband's in, involved in rugby and we recently took our honeymoon with the at the World Cup in England oh, so I was with the uh, USA rugby team over there traveling and I was kind of hearing about what they were eating and the, you know heavy foods and they did work with nutritionists and they have that need for that high protein because that's one of the, I don't know if you've seen rugby but it's mm -hmm. a very vigorous sport um but I, you know, as a dancer, I'm looking at what they were eating and I figured, wow, like all the energy that it takes to break down this meal. And then they're running around like that, you know, and dance, it's very different. We have to be light on our feet. We have to be able to move in certain ways. And, um, and a meal like that wouldn't agree with our line of work, right? basically. Um, right. So, sometimes in dance, they're sprinting. Yeah. Sometimes it's very slow and controlled. Right. Right. And, you know, if you're sluggish after eating like Thanksgiving dinner, like it's, <laughs> it's just not going to work for you. And that line of work that we do. Um, but yeah, it's, but as you need to have the energy as well. And, you know, healthy fats, because it's such a important thing for our brains because we are thrown choreography so quickly and you have to be sharp and you have to be able to pick it up and um, you can't be sluggish or have a foggy mind. Yeah. Do you find that you personally um, 
have sort of different things that you eat related to the type of dance that you're doing. You talked yeah. about how one of the companies you work with is modern, mm-hmm. and then you're working with a choreographer, and then the first mosaic, what type of, does the mosaic, mosaic have a focus? Mosaic is um, focused on Middle Eastern dance. Uh, actually, dance throughout the Mediterranean. So we cover cultures from Spain to North Africa, Greece, um, Turkey. Uh, so a lot of our dance styles are more earthy and um, grounded, a lot more percuss- percussive dance. Um, so it's, it's a little different than modern. Modern is sometimes more athletic, uh, the line of work that we're doing. But um, yeah, so my meal might change differently c- considering what I'm working on that day. Uh, I tend to lean toward, I'm a vegan, actually. Um, I wasn't always a vegan. It's just a diet that seems to support the lifestyle that I'm living. Um, And a plant-based diet gives me that energy that I need, and it digests quickly, it's lighter, um, and it agrees with my system more. Hmm. Not necessarily for everyone, but for me, it definitely works. And and I feel like my digestion is faster than it used to be. So uh, meals go through me more quickly. It's right. not going to sit in the stomach and be heavy. Um, so I'm able to dance a little bit better because of that. Yeah. How long have you been a dancer? Um, basically my whole life. Uh, I began when I was three, oh, wow. very young, yep. uh, taking ballet, kind of like your daughter. Mm-hmm. And um, and then I, as I got older, I was interested in modern dance because it gave me an outlet to be more creative and express myself in a different way and there was less rules and discipline and structure um it was kind of like anything goes and if that's what how your body wants to move then we would explore that um so it it, growing up with that that was really um intellectually stimulating as well and then as i got older i um Got a little away from ballet just because there was more opportunities in modern dance for me, I felt like. Um, and I went to college for dance and studied there. I went to Kent State University for two years studying dance education. Then I went to Slippery Rock University where I graduated with a dance degree. Um, and then jumped around a little bit in Philadelphia and then came here. And I've been here ever since. And um yeah, so my my life has been kind of a journey. <laughs> it really has led me to different places. <laughs> and how do you find your your clients? Your company is called the Balanced Palette. Yeah, um, basically through a media. We do. Um, we're on Facebook, um, the Balanced Palette, and also Twitter at Balanced Palette is our hand, um, hashtag. But um, yeah, so I, I find them through there, or just through networking and meeting other professionals in the fitness industry. Um, a lot of other dancers, I work with a lot of performers hmm. um, because it's such a hard lifestyle. It really helps to have someone support you and remind you to do these little things for yourself, to take care of yourself and, um, you know, getting all that water and staying hydrated, just planning your meals out and with your busy schedule and juggling work and dance is, is a whole nother ball game. Right. I mean, a lot of people I think are not, I mean, you have two different things you're doing, right? right. I think a lot of performers, um, you know, unless they're at the top, top echelon, they have that as a career and then they have yeah. to have a different career as well in many to cases. Support it. Yeah. Um, I think that I was actually speaking to a group of high school dancers last week. I was traveling to Pittsburgh, which is my hometown. And um, I was telling them, you know, technique and studying dance is really important. And when you get to a certain point, 
that becomes secondary and you just have to rely that you have the technique and you've done the work to get to where you are. But learning how to balance the lifestyle with finding work that complements your rehearsal schedule and still allows you to go to those auditions. And um, it's difficult. It's really difficult. Um, So that's a whole other part of it that you they don't really emphasize before you get here that you kind of have to learn how to navigate through. Do you, uh, do you sort of keep a, a, a list or a, a sort of canon of recipes that you suggest people use when you're sort of coaching them on, on what, what to eat or is it, is, yeah, um, how, do, more, how does the coaching work? Well, I do. I have, I have some like recipes that I give and, um, I might focus on different food groups that I feel like they're lacking. Um, for example, I had this one client once and she was would not touch kale. She said, no, absolutely not. And I'm like, okay, you don't have to. There's so many other green leafy vegetables. Right. We'll find something else that you like. And one day she came in and was like, I can't live without kale. And I'm like, Where, what happened? What, like, how did this come on? And she's like, I put it in my smoothies now. I don't taste it. I put a little pineapple in there. It covers up the bitterness. And I have it every day. And I'm like, that's fantastic. And I didn't ask her to do that. But right. she figured it out herself. And um, But I, green leafy vegetables were something that were lacking in her diet. So we had mm. to find a way. Um, because it's just like the basis of energy, you know, it comes from the sun, it goes to the plant, then we eat it and we feel great. Um, and so I might focus on a new food group like legumes or beans or, um, and then come up with some creative like ways to incorporate it into their, you know, what they're already eating. So it's not right. a shock. Um, and letting and teaching them to experiment in the kitchen. I used to never cook <laughs> before I studied nutrition. I really didn't get in the kitchen very often. Um, I would eat the salads. I would eat the same things every day. And um, when I started studying nutrition, I was like, wow, there's, I got to get all these antioxidants in. I have to eat the rainbow. I have to get, you know, and then now when I shop, I try to fill like a different color of each vegetable in my basket. Um, try to get the reds, the greens, the purples, everything in. And so I try to make it a little more fun for my clients by focusing on aspects like that versus counting calories, counting colors or, um, just a different way to focus so that it's less, um, it's more fun and Yeah. yeah, flexible. Do you find that you end up with a sort of longer-term relationship with your clients, or do you kind of give I them do. a couple consults I, um, and then they're sort of off on their own? Actually, it's a six-month program. Okay. So um, we meet twice um, a month and for six months, and um, I feel like that's a good length of time to make real change in their life. Um, if you meet once or twice and then that's kind of it, they're probably not going to stick to those things or they're going to forget and get busy Um But what we do together is make small incremental changes and we practice that and we get that down before we move on to something more difficult. Um, That way I feel like it makes a a more impact on the rest of their lives and they're going to continue to do it and incorporate those habits. And when they only have to focus on a couple at a time, it's much easier than trying to conquer it all in in a couple, you know, consultations. Do you work with people of all ages? I do. Um, Yeah, I do. I I work with a lot of women. Um, A lot of women who are in the workplace, um, stressful jobs. I I met a lot of people working in corporate um, down on Wall Street. And, you know, they really struggle there. Like you see people have a birthday every day with the cakes coming in. (laughs) They have bagels left over from this meeting or that meeting. And it's just right there. They're going to grab it, you know. Um, 
So it's a challenge. Like, you know, they have to really like have some self-discipline. Absolutely. I used to work in television and, you know, the catering tables that they would put out on television shoots, everything you could possibly imagine. And there was always candy and, you know, you know, I mean, a friend of mine used to say after lunch, it was always candy salad. All on the table yeah. was bowls of different right. kinds of candy. Right. Yeah. I hear about the displays in the film industry. My husband's yeah. there and he, you know, he comes home, he's not hungry. So I don't know what he had, yeah. but uh, <laughs> it's nothing I cooked. But it's, you know, it's, it's, it, it is hard, um, to, to remember those things. I mean, mm-hmm. when I, when I used to travel in that industry, you'd be on the road and you know, you sometimes don't have the option if what you really want is like a green salad right? and the only option where you are is some kind of fast food. Yeah. You know, I mean, now we're, I feel like we're getting, getting, getting better, there. Slowly right? getting I mean, you there. have those yeah. options starting to trickle up Chipotle and chopped and like these different places. Yeah. But you know, 10, 15 years ago, Oh, you know, out there, out there, we used to joke. You know, we'd go from from New York to America, right? And, you know, you're out there in the in the middle of America. Or and you don't when, have any options. yeah, I, I go to Pittsburgh, and last week, you know, I was pleasantly surprised to see all the options that I had. Whereas five years ago, when I went to visit my parents, I didn't. Yeah. You know, um, my mom would be like, "Oh, there's a turkey burger," but mom, that's not vegan. Like, yeah. I, you know, it's a different concept. But I'd be like, "All right, it's healthy. I get it." But <laughs> you know. Um, but yeah, now there's a lot more options that I think people are really diving into that health and fitness um, goal. So, so what is a what does an average day look like for you? Like so, so hard because so it's on every day, day like, is different. Sure, right? You were saying um, every day is different. Like on, like yeah. like today, right? Today, you said you mm-hmm. went on a long walk with your dog this morning. Yeah, today was a beautiful day. It was unusual. Um, like I actually didn't have any clients today. I took kind of the day, but after this, um, yeah, I took a long walk with the dog. And um, cleaned a little bit and then came here. And then after this, I'm going to go to a class and then I'm going to have rehearsal for the evening. So uh, and then I'll be in the studio until about 10 then get home, walk the dog again. (laughs) And um, yeah. And if I can squeeze in a yoga class today, I probably will try, but I'm not sure I can. It's a lot. But yeah, um, (laughs) if I can, I will. You say you took the day, but yeah, clients, but it's still a busy, still a busy day, a busy day. And being active in in the evening, you know, I mean, it's a very, I think there are a lot of us. I mean, you know, I get home, I pick up my kids around six, Mm -hmm. I get home and, you know, I feed them, bathe them, put them to bed. And like, I, if I'm lucky, I get an hour of time just to like think to myself. I can't even imagine if I was starting my activities at five or six, you know, and that was going until 10. And when I was doing like the, the day job, um, the, you know, I would go to work at 6am and then I would be there until about three 30. Then I would leave from three 30 and I had about an hour to get to rehearsal and then I would rehearse until 10. And that was brutal. That yeah. was I did that for five and a half years, and that wow. was very hard. Um, yeah, I had to make some changes right. <laughs> this year. Well, because yeah. I think you end up leaning on things like you know. I mean, I when I used to have that type of schedule when I was a freelancer, I mean, I would just be drinking coffee all day long. I mean, totally. starting to, I mean, you know, ten, twelve, fifteen cups a day. Yeah. You know, eating candy bars, sort of quick quick energy things, right. which ultimately is just sort of like such a vicious cycle where then you get home and you're hungry. Yep. And, you know, I remember I would get home, I'd be hungry, I would eat and then I would go to sleep, but I wouldn't sleep well because, because yeah, I just stomach, eaten. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It's a vicious cycle for okay. sure. We're going to take a, a short break sure. and hear from one of our sponsors. And, uh, when we'll, when we come back, we'll keep talking. Great.
Today's program is brought to you by Thurman Maple Days. Celebrate flowing of sap in the Adirondacks, self-guiding to seven sites for talks, tours, tastes, and old-fashioned friendliness. Maple syrup lovers unite. How was maple syrup made 100 years ago? What are the current practices? What are sugar shacks? Visit Thurman County and go on the maple syrup tour of a lifetime for three glorious weekends to celebrate the start of spring and the end of cabin fever. ThurmanMapleDays.com has all the information you need. Watch sap being gathered and boiled and see how a certified tree farm makes maximum use of the wood from maple and other trees. Enjoy a whole day of fun activities, demonstrations, sampling, and shopping for delectable goodies, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. each day. Like pancakes? Of course you like pancakes. Pancake breakfast at Valley Road Maple Farm is available each day, beginning at 9 a.m. and running until 1 p.m., so you won't have to miss a minute of tour time. If you can already taste the maple syrup, visit ThurmanMapleDays.com to find out more. Welcome back to Feast Your Ears. I'm Harry Rosenblum, and I've been speaking today with Kendra Dushak-McCarthy about her life as a dancer and uh, nutritionist. Uh, before the break, Kendra, we were talking a little bit about how everybody kind of needs different things, different nutrients, um, different amounts of food, different you know, um, healthy fats, things like that. Have you found, is there anything sort of across all of the clients that you've had that you would say was like lacking for everybody? Like, is there something mm-hmm. that, you know, in, in our sort of current American way of eating that you think we could all use to eat more or that, you know, incorporate? Yeah. Um... A couple things. What one is um, non-dietary, non-caloric. Um, I think we all need to incorporate slowing down and taking time to ourselves. Um, for me, that looks like a yoga class, um, something that'll clear my mind. But I think we get caught up in the hustle and bustle, and I think we forget to nourish ourselves with like self-care and time to ourselves, um, whether that's reading a book or doing something that you love that's away from your profession, I think is really important. Um, as a holistic health counselor, I focus on other lifestyle things sure. to support. Um, but nutritionally, I, ha- I have to say green leafy vegetables again. I think I already mentioned that, yeah. but... Um, and I know not everyone wants to eat a salad all the time, but hiding some in a smoothie first thing in the morning and then you're running out the door is so easy to do. Um, I actually make mine like a couple days ahead and I'll make a big picture of it and then we can have it for three mornings. Mm. Um, and I'll, that's where I sneak in all of the turmeric and the ginger and all of those um, healthy foods that help me keep the inflammation down from like the wear and tear on my body uh, versus reaching for the Aleve and the Tylenol. It's so much easier and better for myself. Um, Yeah. So I would say more anti-inflammatory foods like that, like the green leafy vegetables are such a good source to help purify the blood. And when you have healthy blood, you know, it's the basis of everything. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a, It's definitely, you know, with with kids, I mean, there's, you know, lots of stuff written about, lots of people talk about trying to get kids to to eat vegetables. You know, I feel like I'm fairly lucky. My kids do do like to eat vegetables, although I find them to be very fickle Mm -hmm. about it. Yeah. Um, So I'm always trying to... As kids are, and they should be, and, (laughs) you know... Of course. They seem to... I mean, carrots, I can get them to eat all the time. Right. Carrots are easy. Um, green leafy vegetables, not not always, right. um, but it's definitely you know the idea of what can I what can I sort of fit them into, yeah. and I never think about having.
having them as part of breakfast. Right. Strangely enough, yeah. I, n- I never think about that. We almost always have oatmeal for breakfast. Mm-hmm. They love oatmeal. I have a rice cooker that has a timer, and I set oh, it the night before, great. so it's ready. Like I don't even I have to do nothing for breakfast except take it out of there. But you know what you are just talking about makes me think. Well, maybe I should mix in some yeah. ginger, some turmeric. Mm-hmm. Could chop up some kale. Yep. spinach, any of those things into that oatmeal. Because we, we eat savory oatmeal, too. I mean, we do poached egg with oatmeal, things like yeah, that. Yeah, great. And if, and if you throw, you know, a few of those, like, fruits, like bananas or a tropical fruit, like a pineapple in there, you it covers up every taste of that green vegetable. <laughs> and they'll never know. Like, it really comes through. Yeah. The flavors really stick out. Um, it's so funny. I don't know. I don't know if it's taste with my kids or color i think i think it's i think it's visual so my my daughter recently was asking for should we you know she was reading green eggs and ham to Mm -hmm. her little brother and she was like dad can i have green eggs and i was like sure just you know put a drop of food coloring in the scrambled eggs and then the next day she asked for red eggs and you know she's looking at okay she's looking at the food coloring and then the day after that she was helping me and we ended up putting by accident a drop of red and a drop of green which turned the scrambled eggs brown and she refused so to eat them. Huh. And I said, but, you know, they taste exactly the same. And she right. refused. She would not put wow. them in her mouth. That's interesting. So I'm wondering, you know, I, I wonder how much of kids, like, dislike of things mm. is aesthetic. I think almost. there's a lot to that for yeah. sure. And I, and I think, and then we build those habits and yeah. into our adult life. I, I worked for, there was one executive I worked with that I never saw eat a green vegetable in like five and a half years. And I was like, how are you still here? Right, like, right. you know, you have to, like, it was my goal to like get him to eat something green. And, um, and he just wanted peanut butter and jelly with the crust cut off on white bread. And I'm like, Oh, Gosh, and he made it to be an executive. So boring. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like live a little, yeah. but, uh, I have, I've, you know. I've for years had this sort of personal, like theory that I've never like researched or like been able to sort of corroborate in any way. But, you know, I grew up loving eating things like lima beans and Brussels sprouts. Mm -hmm. I always liked them. Wow. Great. But, and so, you know, when I went to college, um, I actually was vegan in college sort of by happenstance. I lived with a bunch of people who were vegan, but I was the only one who cooked. Okay. And so I ended up cooking vegan vegan and being vegan. And I remember very specifically cooking Brussels sprouts. We had a farm share. We had a farm on our campus and and we got Brussels sprouts on the stock and Mm -hmm. I cooked them and all of my roommates said, Oh God, Brussels sprouts. And I looked at them all and I said, do you have any idea what they actually taste like? Have you ever actually put one in your mouth? Because I think that there's this, again, it's back to this sort of media and cultural influence thing where kids are not, people aren't, you know, you're supposed to think that that's a gross vegetable. Right. And sure, you know, I've certainly encountered people and I've been to dinner at people's houses where like, you know, my, when I was a kid, my friend's mom used to overcook every vegetable. Mm -hmm. And so they didn't taste good. They were bitter and soft and kind of gross tasting. But I think that there are a couple of sort of touch points of things we're supposed to think aren't good. Right. That we don't as adults now, we just think we don't like them. We don't actually know we don't like them because we haven't tasted them as adults. Because we haven't actually tried it. Right. Or there's a texture thing. I think I see that a lot with clients. Um, Maybe they don't like the gooey texture of something. So like if you can make it in a way that's not that way or roast it or, you know, um, yeah, I think there's a lot to that. Definitely. For sure. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about you also, aside from studying dance, um, studied uh, gerontology. Yes, right? And I for, did. for people who aren't familiar with that, um, it's the study of the effects of aging on mm-hmm. the body and the mind. And so I wanted to sort of bring that up. Today happens to be my birthday. So yes, thinking, happy birthday. Thank you. Thinking about aging, obviously, mm. um, as I do maybe once a year, uh, you know, I wanted to sort of 
talk with you about that. I don't know a ton about it as a sort of right, area of study, right. but I'm curious to know kind of what it what it covers and what it looks at. And you know, sort of like so me, I'm almost I'm 39 today. Mm-hmm. I'm almost 40. Are there things coming? in the aging of my like body and mind and, and things that I should be aware of or how, you know, how does that yeah. study work? You know, um, I'm seeing a lot more uh, older adults today be more and more active. Mm-hmm. And actually there's, uh, I was talking to my choreographer yesterday cause she teaches a middle Eastern dance class to, um, a, at a senior center. And you know, the, the women that go to it and there's some men too, and they, they love it because it's gentle on the body. They can move, they get out of the house, they, um, make a routine of it and come every week. And it's something to focus on. And they, they're seeing like less and less arthritis. They're, you know, able to move, um, easier, get around easier. And in New York, you know, it's, it's hard to get around if, when you're, you know, impaired or, uh, I recently broke my foot and learned that the hard oh, way with the crutches down 42nd street. Oh, but, um, yeah, and it's you know it's it's about living longer, staying healthier, and I think it's becoming such a trend. People want to get involved and like see what they don't want to sit around like the baby boomer you know group. They don't want to sit around and yeah. just you know do puzzles all day. Like they they want to challenge themselves. They want to move and dance was rated one of like the top things that seniors are voting on doing today. Um, yeah, I mean I think I you know I started doing yoga. I think maybe I, when I turned 30 or something, yeah. I mean, like, you know, maybe my late twenties, but I had never, I had not been an athlete as a, as a child or as a teenager at right. all, even in my twenties. Um, you know, I was a smoker at one point, you know, like I really right. was not athletic in any way, but I started doing yoga and, and love it. I mean, what you said earlier about people needing to sort of slow down yeah. and, you know, if I, don't make it to at least one yoga class a week. I feel like I, I need that time, Absolutely. which, you know, it allows you to unplug. I mean, nobody can call me, you know, nobody mm-hmm. can like find me. I mean, that's right. It, and, and again, I guess that's, that fits in a little bit too. I mean, I, like I said, I was never athletic. I started jogging when I was like 33. Right. And since my son was born, I haven't done it as much, but it's still something that I do enjoy doing. And part yeah. of it for me is psychological. It's not just Absolutely. physical. Yeah. It is about the fact that like, if I'm on a 45 minute run, I don't, I very specifically don't run with my phone mm-hmm. because I don't want people to be able to reach me. I right. want that time where I'd like, I'm just separated and I can't, you know. Yeah. And, and you know, those stimulations that are so distracting, you can just focus on yourself and I think we, as a society, have lost connection to ourselves. Um, where there's just too much to do, not enough time in the day. You know, there's a hundred reasons. But um, I think yoga, especially for me, has been an outlet where I have to focus on myself. And nobody else in the room matters to me. It's what's going on with me and my body and tuning in. Yeah. yeah. And, and one of the things that, that has fascinated me about both of those things, and especially as I get older, I mean... I have friends who are marathoners, you mm-hmm. know, who are now in their 40s, almost 50, who, you know, their times are actually going up. Yeah. They're not getting faster, but they're still doing it. And to me, there's something sort of valuable in that psychological exercise right. as well. Like at a certain point, you can keep getting better, mm-hmm. but then you're not going to be able to keep getting better, but you can keep doing it. And, you know, yoga is something sort of a little bit different where I know that I will never be great at yoga right. because it takes lifetimes really right i mean right. The, the true yogis are people oh, who absolutely. are practicing daily yeah and i'm never going to practice daily but that's okay because it really is something that you do for yourself and you continue to incrementally 
very incrementally get yes. a little bit better and reap the or, benefits exactly, on the way sure. you know yeah yeah um, and and enjoy the enjoy the journey yes. not necessarily but there is no end right, right? there's no goal no, i'm not going to get to a point where i'm like well i'm perfect at yoga and I'm some done. days i can do you know some of the most challenging sure. and then the next day i'm like nope this isn't going to agree today <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> we're not going to be doing that back then but um yeah i think it looks different every day um but yoga is so great. I love it. I can't, I could talk about it all day. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're almost, we're, we're almost yeah. out of time. Um, do you have any performances coming up? I with do. Your um, I am performing next weekend at the Harkness dance festival at the 92nd street. Y. And I'm dancing with Tina crawl. I think our show is at 8 PM Friday, 8 PM Saturday and 3 PM on Sunday. Um, yeah, it's a great group of dancers, modern dance. And, um, yeah, it's great to be a part of it. I have that coming up and, um, then this summer, uh, my modern dance company, Check It Dance, uh, puts on a festival celebrating female choreographers. And it's going to be, um, I think, July 23rd this year. And that'll be in the city as well. Excellent. So, yeah. um, and people can find out more about that. Online. Absolutely online. Yep. Cool. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Kendra. It's been a, thank it's you been for a having real me. nice time talking with you. And I'm definitely going to try and make it out with my daughter to see Excellent. some of your performances. I'm sure she would enjoy it um, as, a, as a young dancer. Absolutely. Uh, thanks very much, everybody, for listening to Happy Feast birthday, Ears. Harry. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for listening to Feast Your Ears today. A uh, big thank you to Kristen Baylor, my producer, and David Tatashore for engineering. And please take a moment to like the show on Facebook and iTunes and follow me on Instagram. See you next week. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.